0: Alihi wa anhu Anna Sallallahu Wa Alhamdulillah, brothers and sisters, we've reached hadith number sixteen in the forty hadith of Imam al Nawawi. And as we mentioned previously, these forty hadith which Imam Nawawi has compiled here. These are 40 hadith that relate to those fundamental uh, necessary principles of Islam. So if you were to take each hadith isolated and look at it individually, look at it separately, each one of these hadith is a fundamental principle in Islam. So this is hadith number 16 in which Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates that a man came to the Prophet saying, O Messenger of Allah, advise me, admonish me, give me advice, I need advice. So, one point that we understand is uh, the adab and the etiquette and the importance of having somebody that we get advice from in our lives. This is a beautiful example. We know that here, the Prophet, that the Sahaba, عنهم, they didn't just sit in the Prophet's lectures, but there was this almost, you can say, personal connection that they had that they would actually go to the Prophet and say, advise me. And remember, you know, you can't implement this and just come, fall from a cloud in the sky and go to somebody and say, advise me. He said, I don't know anything about you. What am I supposed to advise you? Advise you about what? So we have to understand that Whoever was asking this question, he was somebody who had some relationship with the Prophet ﷺ, who knew him, who accompanied him. He was one of the companions, and he was in the close vicinity and the close companionship of the Prophet ﷺ, by which then the Prophet gave him a specific, catered, designated advice for him. And that is why when we hear the advice that he gives, you're like, wait a minute, out of all the advice that you could give, you gave this one? Why would he give such an advice? Because he knew him. He understood who this person was. He recognized his issues. He recognized the problems that he had. Because if you look at the the question, it doesn't fit the answer. He's saying, advise me. So if, if somebody comes to you, a random guy, says, brother, advise me, you would give him more general advice But the advice that the Prophet ﷺ is giving Is a very specific advice Right Some people have tried to interpret it in that way That he's giving this very general advice Because it's a very important thing for everybody But it's not really necessary For everybody Everybody doesn't have this issue Every single person doesn't have this problem Which the Prophet ﷺ is mentioning What is that? When he said advise me The Prophet gave him this specific advice لا تغضب. لا تغضب Don't become angry فَرَدَّدَ So then he says again Advise me ya yani Rasulullah In other words He didn't think that this You know Small piece of advice Was You know Enough He thought that it wasn't sufficient for him He wanted a more elaborate More detailed Advice He wanted a more detailed admonition Am I not always crying about this? People want right? They want you to write their whole biography. This was not the advice of the Prophet Sometimes the advice of the Prophet was literally two words: "La tahrub." Don't do it. Don't go that route. This is gonna. This is gonna ruin your life. This is gonna destroy you. So, a very interesting thing that the commentators—and this is the beauty of the comment commentaries of hadith. Many of you have probably seen the you know, some of our books in the libraries, we're gonna, bring some, we're gonna bring some of those commentaries here because we have like two, three copies of like, Shara Bukhari, I think we should put it here. Because I'm always talking about it and I could point right there and that this is the commentary of Bukhari and you have 20, 30 volumes. It should be there, right? On, the, on, on this, uh, in, in our front library. Why is because, why are these commentaries so elaborate? So I wanna share with you this commentary. It's very interesting that the hadith says, أَنَّ Rajulan قَالَ لِلنَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم A man came and asked the Prophet. So the commentators actually went into the detail and researched who was this man. We have to know who was this man. This is how they used to investigate. The commentators of hadith, they were investigators. They wanted to get to the bottom of it. They wanted to know who was this man who came to the Prophet. Why are you going to make that investigation? Why does it matter? Who cares? No, because It matters. Because then we know something about his personality. We know something about his attitude. We know something about his character. We know something about the way he carried himself. And then we're going to know why the Prophet told him, don't get angry. Because maybe he was an angry person. And lo and behold, there's a couple of candidates here. We have a couple of candidates. That doesn't make them bad. You know, we're, you know, subhanallah, the Sahaba, we're the greatest human beings in this world. And one of the reasons was is that they implemented the teachings of the Prophet. Not just because they were like angels that fell from the sky, but they were people who had faults, they had people who had mistakes, they were people who had flaws. Right? But the implementation of the teachings of the Prophet that they transformed themselves, they rectified themselves, they reformed themselves, they made themselves better human beings. That's what made the sahaba special. Right? So many examples Sayyidina Umar Who would sit and remember Days And he would cry I mean this is actually a, 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 An incident of Umar عنه, That Sayyidina Umar Is sitting there He starts crying And then like two minutes later He starts laughing They said Ya Umar What are you doing You're sitting by yourself First minute you're crying And then next minute You're laughing What's going on He says I was remembering my past That you know We had idols And we would worship these idols we had made an idol out of dates. Can you imagine? We took these dates and we made idols out of it and we were worshipping these, these, these idols that we would make with our own hands. He said, okay, why did you laugh? He said, because one day we got hungry and we ate that, that idol. It's such a delicious, you know, you know how they have the Easter bunny chocolates? Such a wonderful representation of Easter, right? And the next minute, you know, chocolate bunny Is like in your stomach, you know And he said, and then he said I'm laughing, Let look at how ridiculous Was our faith The one minute, you know We're making it with our own hands And prostrating to this God And then the next minute, you know There's nothing in the market All the dates are sold out I might as well eat, you know Bhagwanji Bhagwan kukhaw So The Sahaba radiallahu anhum They were people who had Various conditions and the ahwal And when the Quran and the hadith It came to them, it transformed them It changed them So for amongst the candidates Some say it was Ibn Umar Radiyallahu anhu Radiyallahu May Allah be pleased with him and his father So Abdullah ibn Umar was one And he was very young Another example they, Some of the commentators they say Hadithat ibn Qudama Others say it was Sufyan ibn Abdullah Sufyan ibn Abdullah al-Thaqafi and more uh, closer to what it was possibly could, who it could have been is Abu Darda So we have Ibn Umar Haritha ibn Qudama Sufyan ibn Abdullah and Abu Darda Four companions More of the commentators leaning more towards that it was Abu Darda Now, how do they know it was them? This is the question. So I want to read to you, like, when you see these big, big commentaries, now, they bring every hadith in which a companion asked, O Prophet, advise me, and the Prophet said, don't become angry. So the muhadithin then, in investigating this hadith, who was this man? They went to the other hadith. They went to another narration. And they went to see who else asked this question. Can you imagine in a time where they didn't have search engine? They found these, they found these ahadith without any search engine by going through the narrations. And there was some of the scholars who facilitated this for the ummah. So how many of you guys have heard Musnad, the word Musnad, musnad i Ahmad, Musnad Abu Dawood al-Tayalisi, and Musnad of Tabarani, and Musnad. So Musnad means... It's a book of hadith that's organized by alphabetical order of the sahaba who narrated the hadith. You see now? So, when you say the Musnad ahmad if you open up the Mustad, it doesn't start with like the chapter of intention, like Bukhari, or the chapter that how wahi began, or the chapter of iman, or the chapter of Islam. He starts with alphabetical order. Who comes on first on the list? Abu Bakr. And in all those narrations that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu narrates, and he begins, this is the Musnad of Abu Bakr. It says, Musnadu Abi Bakr. And in this, there's 15 hadith. That's narrated by Abu Bakr Siddiq. So it's not by subject matter. It's not by, I I personally like by subject matter. You know what I mean? Like I like to just go and find the, the thing. So the Musnad of Imam Ahmad is not like that. It's by alphabetical order of who narrated the hadith. Which shows... Like, okay, now in a, in a particular incident like this, I want to investigate Abu Darda. Right? Abu Darda, he's one of the uh, candidates that could have been the narrator of this incident or hadith. So now I, it's very easy. I go to the Mustad of Imam Ahmad or the Mustad of whoever, whoever else has Masanid. And then you just go to the hadith and then you read all the hadith, and oh, lo and behold, it's there. So very interesting how the scholars actually compiled their different narrations. And then we have a jame. You guys heard of the jame of, 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 of Imam Muslim or the jameh of Imam Tirmizi. Jameh means a compilation. And these are abwab ul fiqh Basically, it starts with iman, and then it goes to taharat, and salat, and zakat, and hajj, and salm, and kind of like, you know, all the abwab of fiqh all the chapters of fiqh from beginning iman, the end, then you have, for example, uh, about you know, uh, business and then about tijara and then about marriage and then about uh, you know, piety and then it goes till qiyamah and then description of jannah and jahannam and then the day of judgment. Kind of like how Riyadh al Saliheen, you guys have seen, right? Riyadh al is a jamir, compilation in order of like you know, it has a specific order. So in the Masanid, you have the Mustad, and Abu Darda says, Ya Rasulullah, Dullani ala amalin il Jannah. So then you have a little bit different wording. But then we found out, we invested, that the, the, the commentators investigated. Where did the Prophet say, La Taghdab? And they found here so many narrations. So it was in a different wording. Abu Darda says, O oh, Messenger of Allah, he didn't say give me advice, he said, ala amalin Guide me to such an action that will enter me into Jannah. Qala la he said, Don't become angry. Don't let your anger overwhelm you. And if you do this, for you will be Jannah. Now, the question comes here, how do you do one action and then Jannah becomes wajib on you? So, the ulama explain this very beautifully. They say that this one action, if a person can control his anger, everything else controlling it becomes very, very easy. Because anger is the most serious of the, like, kuwa that we have inside of us. Anger is this, you can say, this, this, uh, um, you know, Uh, power inside of us or this you know um, uh, force inside of us. That if we're able to control this force we're able to control all of our other emotions which will then guard us from falling into the hellfire and then we will be able to go to Jannah. Ibn Hajar Haytami he has an amazing commentary on the Arba'in. He says an interesting thing. Why does one guarding of your anger lead to Jannah? What he does, it's amazing. He lists all the qualities you need in order to not become angry. He says, to not become angry, you have to have patience. To not become angry, you have to have forbearance. To not become angry, you have to have wisdom. To not become angry, you have to have knowledge. To not become angry, you have to do this. And, and it's like all of these things actually worked. To, to, to act upon anger, you have to have foresight. Because right now, I want to get angry, and I want to punch somebody in the face, but I'm thinking about what's the repercussion of this. That is foresight. That is firasa. You see, like what all of the things, all of the, how do you say, the pieces of the puzzle... All the ingredients that you need to not become angry requires this list of 15 quality. He actually lists them. He actually lists them. And it's amazing. He said you need patience and you need forbearance and you need this and you need that. And he lists every single one of them. And he says, and the one who has this, is from the people of Jannah. It's very interesting. This is in the Shara of Ibn Arba'in by Ibn Hajar Haytami. So, When it says, don't get angry and you will go to Jannah, it's not just, oh, I'm not going to get angry and then I don't have to pray and I don't have to fast and I don't have to, and then I'm going to go to Jannah. No, because all these other qualities are required in order for a person to then come to this reality that they can control their anger maturity, akhlaq, character, patience, forbearance, humbleness, not having an ego. Killing your pride, not being arrogant, not looking down on other people. You know, like, one of the, one of the re- reasons why people get angry is because they have an ego. What? You think I'm going to let this go? I ain't going to let this go. I ain't going to let this slide. That ego is pushing you and pushing you to implement your anger. So there's so many things, so much things on the list that you need to conquer your anger. And the person who has that definitely going to enter into Jannah. You see what it's saying here? لَكِنْ يَبْعُدُ تَعْبِيرُ اللَّهُمَّ إِلَّا يُقَالَ بِتَعَدُدِ السَّائِلِ Now, another question is, is that, but that's, they're mentioning this was what Abu Darda asked the Prophet, and the Prophet told him this, he said, but that's not the statement in this hadith. The statement in this hadith is, advise me. And then he said, So then, the shurrah say, this could have been many incidents for many companions. That at different juncture, different companions came. Some of them were young. Some of them had a temper. Some of them were old. Some of them were senior. Some of them, you know, had different conditions. And the Prophet, knowing them, gave them that advice at different times. Junctures at different times Different mawaqir Different mawalder So another one Haditha Haditha ibn Qudama He says I asked the prophet this Tell me an advice And don't be so detailed Save me all the discussion Be brief Give me an advice But don't tell me a long bayan don't give me a lecture. He says, Give me some advice and make it brief because I'm not a smart guy. It'll take me time to understand what you're saying. So I can have akal of what you are saying. Because I'm not a very, very intelligent smart guy. So give me short advice so I can understand it properly. I want to get special advice that you give me for me. قال لا تغضب. So Qudama ibn Haritha right? Or Harith ibn Qudama. Haritha ibn Qudama. This is what he said. Give me short advice so I can understand it properly. And the Prophet told him, don't become angry. And he repeated, give me something else, give me another short advice. Give me another. and he kept repeating the same one, the same one. So we can see that this could have been multiple incidents. Why I'm sharing this with you, and why does it matter? So you can appreciate the commentators of Hadith. How detailed they actually went and investigated every incident, every Sahabi. To who were the ones who the Prophet gave the, you know, this advice? Don't become angry. And do you know it's an interesting thing? Some Muhadithin would write just a whole book about this. Some scholars of Hadith they would just write only about this. Those companions to whom the prophet gave advice, don't become angry. And they would gather them all together in one book. And that would be the book. It's talking about those companions who the prophet gave them advice that don't become angry. Again, all of this is for us to appreciate the advice of, uh, and the efforts of the companions. So the Muḥaddithin, when it says, he repeated over and over again, and the Sahabi said, "Give me another advice. Give me another advice." He was looking for maybe something more elaborate. He didn't think that this was sufficient. But the Musharrah and the commentators say, "Qālallātakẓablimaʿalībaalayhisallamminḥālhi." The Prophet kept repeating that one piece of advice because the Prophet knew his condition. The Prophet knew that this is what he, this is his challenge. This is what he deals with. You know, and you, you know, it's pointless that, you know, somebody is going through malaria, right, and you give them, you know, cough medicine or something. Great. When, when, when somebody is going through one specific disease, you have to give them the medicine that's in accordance with that. Somebody who has malaria and you give them NyQuil and cough medicine, you have to give them the proper medication that resolves their issue. right? Or somebody has a headache and you tell them to eat watermelon or something. I don't know. And the Prophet ﷺ gave him the same advice over and over again because he knew this is what he needs the most. So the Prophet ﷺ commanded him that which was most appropriate for him. The scholars also say it could be that he's just giving him general advice. Because if you look at a person, Every problem that comes in a person's life, every issue that a person goes through is because we become overwhelmed by emotion. And when we become overwhelmed by our emotion or overwhelmed by our passions, remember, there's two types of passions. Passions that are related to our emotions and passions that are related to our desires. You see? Passions that are related to our desires like eating and, right, sexual. Appetite Eating and You know Carnal appetites They called Carnal appetites That's one passion And another passion is Emotional passion These are the two things Literally Which the Prophet said That there are two things That will lead you to hellfire Al-famu <laughs> wal-farj The mouth and the private parts The mouth and the private parts The mouth meaning Your emotions That your emotions Affect now What you say with your mouth And your private parts is your passions. That when you're able to control these two things, then you'll be able to guard yourself from the hellfire. So the Prophet ﷺ has said a very, very powerful thing. So now, he didn't say anything about private parts, but he did say something about anger. Because the one who is able to control one passion, the other passion is next. In other words, if you're able to control this QUWA, this power within you, this passion within you, then you will be able to also conquer the other one. And an interesting thing it says that the harm that can be caused by a person's Anger is much more dangerous than the harm that a person can be caused by just his, the passions of his private parts. Well, you know, that could be, that's probably debatable, you know, a person can mess himself up really bad, right, by not guarding his private parts. But here I think the darar, it means like hurting of others. When it's talking about darar here, like somebody going killing somebody else, right? Somebody going and, you know, uh, starting a fight or starting a war or starting a, you know, a feud. Many, many hundreds of years of feud is caused by, you know, this anger and, you know, jahiliya, Like, I ain't gonna let that slide. It's all anger. And the darar of this is very, very heavy. فَلَمَّا إِلَيْهِ بِمَا bi بِهِ إِلَى التَّجَنُّبِ عَنِ الْأَخْلَاقِ الرَّدِيَّةِ نَهَهُ عَنِ الْغَضَبِ الدَّاعِ إِلَى مَا هُ أَعْضَمُ ضَرَرًا وَأَكْثَرْ وِزْرًا So when he asked this advice, the Prophet ﷺ guided him to that which is most dangerous and most harmful, right, is this situation of anger. Many of the talaq cases that we get, right, what is it? It's It's because of anger. Many of the talaq issues is because a person completely loses all control. Anger in and of itself, brothers and sisters, what is it? In essence, what is it? It's losing control. Because anger which is in its place is not mazmum. It's not, it's not uh, uh, harmful. We'll explain. There's beneficial anger. And then there's harmful anger. What's beneficial anger? That anger that remains within its, within its place. Right? Somebody is doing something that is inappropriate. Your children are not doing, your children are disrespecting their elders, or they're not doing their homework, or they're not performing their salah, or they're you know, going in the wrong path, or they pick up a cigarette and they're smoking, and now, oh, uh, uh, the prophet told me, don't be angry. No, there is a anger within the limits that is disciplinary. The teacher doesn't get angry at the student for not doing the homework, or the parent doesn't get angry at the child for not being uh, you know, uh, uh, respectful, being disrespectful, going out, doing whatever he wants to do, smoking, drinking, leave, you know, leading a, you know, a crazy life, not having a, you know, an objective and not doing what he's supposed to do. And this is what l- lays the boundaries. So what we call uh, balanced anger the reality of bad anger is losing control. Losing control. That is what the Prophet ﷺ is warning us against. That anger which is within the boundary, that anger which is within the control, actually is, is demanded of us by the Sharia. If we did not have that, then we would not be able to set the boundaries of what is right, what is wrong, what is Nahiyan al-Munkar, and what is Amr bin Maruf. In actuality, it's an anger that is controlled. You know? Because when we hear the anger, automatically this thought comes to our mind like punching a hole in the wall. But there's an there's a anger which is a, I'm displeased with this action. I'm, I'm not, I'm emotional. I'm displeased with that action. And I will not let this, I will not let this go further. It has to stop right here. This is the red line. You can't cross it. You don't have to pull that up, you know, a gun to do that you don't have to yell at the top of your lungs to do that you can say that in a very firm and very strict manner that this is not what, what, what this is not the, the, the right way this is not correct this is haram this is not jais, brother what are you doing this is incorrect don't speak any further as long as this alcohol is at this table I'm not going to be sitting here I'm going to get up from this table unless you move this from here right like having that ghaira, having that honor Having that setting of limitations, if you don't have that, then you're going to start becoming what? You're going to be, start becoming somebody that people are going to trample your rights. People are going to trample the, the, the sanctities. People are going to disrespect the Sharia. People are going to disrespect the rules. You can't be a father in a home and then like let everybody break the rules and do whatever they want to do. You can't be a Muslim and then people break the rules and do this, that and the other and disobey and then, you know, I have nothing to say. And if you don't have the the, the strength or the ability, then exposing your anger at that time is just walking away. That's also anger. I'm showing my anger. I'm walking away. You get angry when somebody wants to fight you? No problem. Get angry. But maybe, you know, you're not able to do it? Walk away. This is valid anger. You get in a fight, you know, with your wife. You get in a fight with your husband. Right? You don't need to say the word talaq. Just walk away. I don't want to talk to you right now because I'm very angry. I am very angry. It's okay to be angry. I am angry. So what do I do? I walk away. I don't say hurtful things. I don't put another person down. I don't curse somebody. I don't cuss somebody. I don't la'an somebody. I don't ta'an somebody. And I don't say divorce 500 times, 10,000 times, and then go to the imam, fix it, put a band-aid on it. I can't help you. I can't put a band-aid on that no more. Don't come to me. But this is what happens. And this is all the result of anger. The Prophet wasallam, what the advice that he gave, لا تغضب ولا كالجنة, Don't be angry and for you is paradise. As is mentioned in another hadith, it goes back to from the Kitabullah وسارعوا إلى مغفرة من ربكم وجنّة عرضها السماوات والأرض عيدلة المتقين الذين ينفقون في السرّاء والضرّاء والكاظمين الغيظ والعافين أن الناس والله يحب المحسنين. الله Ta'ala says and hasten to that paradise the vastness of which is the heavens and the earth and this has been promised for the mutaqeen. this Jannah has been promised for the متقين who are the متقين ينفقون في those who spend in good times and bad times al The ones who swallow their anger. Those who forgive people. And Allah Ta'ala loves the good doers. So this is actually the sifa, the quality of the people of Jannah. They swallow their anger. It doesn't mean they don't have anger. My shaykh explained this beautifully. al الغيظ الْغَيْظِ Doesn't mean al غَيْظَهُ Right? Completely destroy his anger He didn't know The anger is there He swallows it though He doesn't let it Go beyond its limit It's within his control Anger that's not acceptable Is the anger that goes out of your control It goes out of its limits Now you're breaking things And harming things And cursing things And smashing things And destroying things And hurting people And cussing people And revenge Right? All these other things in one hadith the Prophet ﷺ says, the strong man is not the one who can topple others over. Shadidul ghadab. rather, the strong person is the one who can withhold his anger at the time when his anger is pushing him to do crazy things, go beyond the limit. The ulama mentioned that what anger actually is, they are Anger is like whisperings from shaitan that pushes a person to go out of balance, to go and transgress limits. And when a person is angry, as is mentioned by Imam al-Ghazali, that when a person is angry, then shaitan plays with him like you play with a little toy. That is why you have to control yourself, your tongue and your actions and your deeds when you go in a state of anger. Because at that time, shaitan is playing with you. He can do anything he wants with you don't become a plaything of shaytan. وَذَلِكَ لِأَنَّ الْغَضَبْ, من نزغات الشيطان. الغضب من نزغات الشَّيْطَانِ يُخْرِجُ بِهِ الْإِنسَانَ أَنْ اِعْتِدَالِ حَالِهِ Anger takes a person out of his normal condition and then what does he do? فَيَتَكَلَّمُ بِالْبَاطِلِ He starts screaming and yelling things. وَيَفْعَلُ المذموم. And he does things that later on he'd be like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And it makes a person regret, and it makes a person remorse. And he says, at times, "Bal yukafiru na'udu billahi min al al Sometimes a person even says "kufr" when they are angry. They become so overwhelmed, they'll say, like, you know, "Say Allahumma salli ala to ah, hell with you." You know what? Allahumma salli ala. Don't tell me that. I've heard people say things like that. You shouldn't, you know, you should be careful to people that are angry, or you read an ayah of Quran and say, ittaqillah I said, oh to, to hell with you and You know, they, they become so overwhelmed, sometimes anger will make a person say kufr. wa So what's the cure for this? This is an amazing cure. One of the cures you probably didn't think about. Ayar al minallah. You should see everything from Allah. You should see that everything and every situation is from Allah. Subhanallah. I mean, I read this one time. Mal Ra, he said, "I just would get so annoyed by just dim-witted people. I'm telling them to do the thing, and they just can't." ah, oh, they make me so angry. I just tell them to do something simple, and they can't do it, and it makes me so angry, you're so. You know, what do you have you don't have a brain? And then I think to myself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created different people with different temperaments. Everybody doesn't have your technical understanding. Everybody doesn't have your brain. Everybody doesn't have your expertise. Everybody doesn't understand and look at things the way you look at them. Everybody doesn't have the perspective that you have. And once you understand that, your anger should come down a little bit. Right? Because why do we get angry sometimes? Because things don't go our way. That's one of the reasons. Or people don't go our way. That's even worse. People don't go my way. This person doesn't go the way that I want them to go. This person doesn't do what I want them to do. Well, they're not you. And people think differently. You see what I'm saying? Five brothers of the same son. All five of them probably have a different temperament. Five brothers from the same mother and father But each one of them have a different temperament You know One is the South Pole One is North Pole One is equator You know One is cold One is hot One is fire One is you know Winter One is autumn One is spring You know Every single one of them is different This is the Qudra of Allah جل, That He created us all differently And understand that All of these different temperaments Are from Allah Don't have that expectation from people That you should recognize that all of this is from Allah Or in a a, a specific circumstance When we we spoke about people People are different temperaments So understand that All these different temperaments are from Allah That's point number one All the different circumstances Some circumstances were not under control Like when do people get angry Road rage what is road rage about? Something that's not within your control. Sometimes it's within your control. Some people are just don't know how to drive, right? They're doing, they're doing dumb things on the road and they're putting other people in danger. Okay, I, I get that. That, that's, that can make you angry because, you know, it's hurting people or putting people in danger. Somebody just like, you know, zigzagging, that's dangerous. But I'm talking about like, let's say you're in the middle of traffic. I mean, that's not really something you can change. You can't really change that circumstance that you're in. Or you're in line, or you're in Hajj, or it's hot, the line ain't moving, and you're you know, at the airport, and now you're getting you're fuming. This circumstance is not within your control. If you understand that this circumstance is not within my control, Masha Allahu can, Wama Lam lam yakun. That which Allah wills happens, and that which Allah does not will will not happen. I read a beautiful thing it mentioned here. SubhanAllah. Where some of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen is a very interesting thing here. Where did I read it? So it mentions that some of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen they would get angry at some of the Khuddam. You know, the Khuddam are the people who take care of the house and serve. And so yeah, you know, Anas, he's a young boy and he's like bringing this and bringing that and serving and doing the house chores or whatever. And some of the Ummahatul Mu'minin, they would get frustrated like, hey, you didn't do this properly. I told you to bring this. How come you didn't bring it? And they get, oh, you broke this. Why did you break it? What's the matter with you, boy? You can't take care of things properly. The Prophet some say, leave it. If Allah wanted it to happen, it would have happened. Now this doesn't mean that right you just leave things and then you know nobody does their chores It's ah Allah subhanallah if Allah wanted it to happen and then now the kids are going to use that as hey why aren't you doing your homework if Allah wanted it to happen dad it would have happened by now inna lillahi <laughs> wa inna ilaihi rajiun so this is this is not what any when it would, when something would be broken for example this was specifically i don't know read it in this It was here that the Prophet ﷺ would give advice to the women of the household. He said, Leave it, don't, don't blame the boy for breaking it. It broke, its lifespan was over. And everything has a lifespan, even glasses and, 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 and plates and, and cups has a lifespan. Bichara died, now it's over. Don't kill the kid, That's done. You don't read janazah over it Just throw it in the garbage And that's the end of the story You know, you don't need to Start World War III If Allah wanted it, it would be dead if, did, if He didn't want it It broke خلاص, That's it You say don't cry over spilled milk All is done half this is Mullah Ali Qari What should he do? It says that he should know that everything is from Allah. And if everything is from Allah, then you shouldn't now want things to be according to your Hawa. Always. Everything has to be according to my plan. And if it doesn't go my plan, I'm going to cause World War III down right now. And know that. The anger of Allah is more than His anger. And how many times did we disobey Allah and Allah didn't destroy us? And one time somebody doesn't do things the way we wanted, and we want to destroy them? Remind yourself of this. How many times we disobeyed Allah and Allah didn't implement His anger on us? He didn't execute His anger upon us even though He could have done that. And how many times... You know, somebody makes us angry and we want to just execute them at that time. وَكَمْ خَالَفَ أَمْرَهُ لَدَيْهِ وَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ لَمْ يَغْضَبْ عَلَيْهِ وَيَتَعَوَّذْ وَيَتَوَضَّ وَيُصَلِّ And he should say, عَضْبِ اللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ rajim And he should make wudu, and he should perform salah. These are the things, because anger is an emotion and going from one position to another it changes your emotion so when you become angry don't sit there don't stay there go to another place if you're standing sit down if you're sitting down lay down just go away from that place where you're not be able to harm anybody go take a breath outside if you're inside the house just go step outside I can't say anything right now go and step outside and get some fresh air calm yourself down say I'udhu Billahi Minash Rajeem because the uh, anger is from fire and shaitan is from fire. So you calm it down with wudu. And by saying, A'udhu billahi min shaitan al-rajim. One companion, and you could say this is kind of like a follow-up. One companion, he gave in another narration, he says that, and this is a narration uh, mentioned in musnad Ahmad, that when he said, don't become angry, I went home and I thought about it. And then he said, فَإِذَا الْغَضَبُ يَجْمَعُ الشَّرَّ I realized that anger, it's the culmination of all evil. It's the culmination of every bad and every evil. Because a person will kill when he's angry. A person will fight when he's angry. A person will make crazy decisions when he angry, when he's angry. A person will, you know, Destroy property A person will say Terrible things The tongue The You know uh, With the tongue With the hand With the heart With the everything you, When you become angry You just say And do things That are just You know Atrocious So the Sahabi says I thought about What the Prophet said That he kept repeating This anger And I'm saying Why is he repeating it I went home And I thought about it This teaches us An amazing SubhanAllah advice That when the Mashayikh and when we read the hadith of the Prophet and the, the, the words of our Masha'iq, we should go home and think about it. فَفَكَّرْتُ حِينَ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ مَا قَالَ فَإِذَا الْغَضَبُ يَجْمَعُ الشَّرَّ كُلَّهِ When I thought about what the Prophet ﷺ said, I realized that anger encompasses and it's the culmination of all evil. وَمِنْ ثَمَّ تَقَالَ جَعْفَرُ الصَّادِقُ And from there, Imam Ja'far Sadiq, رحمه الله, said, الْغَضَبُ مِفْتَاحُ كُلِّ شَرَّ Anger is the key to all evil. It's the gateway to opening up all these other things. I mean, it's not good to mention, right? But there was a specific case that somebody found, you know, on their husband's uh, phone the number of somebody else, Right? She became so angry, she started cheating on her husband because of this, that she was angry because of this. And I said, I'm going to get back at you by... I mean, you wouldn't even imagine, but this is what anger can do. That you're angry about this, and now what am I going to do? I'm going to go commit zina, or I'm going to go and you know, do an act of infidelity and cheat and do the most worst things. Why? As revenge for my anger. This is like, you know, this is crazy type of anger. I mean, This is a, this is a situation that I have seen myself with my own eyes. There was a problem between a husband and wife. You know that I get all, you know, I, you know, that I'm the favorite of all of them. I wish that I didn't have that, that sign on me, but for some reason, I'm their favorite. They love to come to me. May Allah Ta'ala make it easy for everybody. May Allah guide them and... Give, grant them happiness. If I'm able to help in any way, alhamdulillah. But, you know, it's, it's not a fun job. So one of the cases is exactly like this. I said, I kept asking and asking and asking. I said, how did they get to this? He said, oh, every time I would oh, I see his phone and there's these strange women's numbers. I said, oh, yeah, two can play at this game. Anyways. Yani, this anger is the key. This is what he was saying. The anger is the key to all shar, to all evil. I'm angry. I'm going to get you back. Revenge. Wait, what is revenge actually? What is the act? What is the the, the revenge? Revenge is the manifestation of anger gone completely off. You know, that I'm not going to leave, I'm not going to drop this. I ain't going to let this go. And, a person goes around that, okay, this, okay, your whole family, okay, your whole generation, okay, your whole village. You know what I'm saying? Like, one is retaliation and defending yourself or what Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, bi bi." That if harm has been done to you, then you retaliate equal to that harm that has been done. But who can be balanced in that? That's why the, then Allah says after that, Wala in sabartum, la huwa That if you have patience, it is better for you because nobody can be balanced that you retaliate exactly in the way that, okay, somebody punched my arm, and then I'm going to just punch him exactly right in the same spot that he punched I me. Mean, it's, it's hard, you know? He punch you in the arm, and then you go and like, you burn his car. Like, you know, that, wait a minute. You know, what happened over there? Like, or he, you know you he punched your arm and you break his leg that that's not bi mislima bi so allah azza wa has allowed you to defend yourself bil but because that mythil is so difficult then allah azza wa says wala that if you have patience it is better for those who can who can do that anyways point being is right this anger can take a person go and go beyond limits and beyond self control it was said to abdullah bin mubarak ijma' lana fi kalima oh abdullah bin mubarak gather for us all of good character in one statement ijma' fi kalima bring all of husnal khuluq in one word Give it to us like that. Tarkul He says to abandon your overwhelming anger. Leave it. This is excellent character. For a person to be able to swallow that. Patience. So if anger is the, the key to hell, what would be the opposite? Patience patience forbearance as much you know and and it, it's there's so many things attached to them that's why i mean it sounds so simple but it really is not because that patience there's all these other things connected with it you can't be patient and not kind you can't be patient and not merciful it's like so intertwined that it has all these other things like when you, when i say a patient person what's the thing that comes to your mind you know, he's not a guy with, like, you know, he's got, like, his eyebrows going like that, and then he, he's patient while, you know, people are like, no, I mean, there's, it's a whole demeanor, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole demeanor about him, there's a whole akhlaq about him, there's a whole, you know, attitude, there's a whole way that people that are patient carry themselves in the way they speak, and the way they walk. You know, sometimes you just see certain people walking, you look at them like, I don't want to like come face to face with that guy. That guy doesn't look like he's having, a, he's having a good day just by the way he's walking, the way he's carrying himself. His body language scares you. This guy's about to explode. You know what I mean? So when we say patience, it's not just like one quality is like hidden in here. It's like, it's everything. It's the way you carry yourself. It's the way you walk. It's the way you treat people. It's the way you talk to people. It's your body language. It's your character. You know? So then the Prophet, he one time saw that two people were arguing with one another. Two people were actually fighting in front of the Prophet, and they were cursing one another. And the person's face was turning red, so the Prophet ﷺ told him, Inni laa He said, You know, I know something that if he were to say that, his anger would go away. He said if he were to say Awdul billahi a shaitan al Rajib, his anger would go away. So the person said to the Prophet ﷺ, Yani, other people told him, Hey, aren't you listening to what the Prophet told you? So then he said this, I'm not crazy. Why is he telling me that? إِنِّي bi majnoon. I ain't crazy that he's telling me that. أَوْذُ shaitan Like I'm some crazy man or something. It's very bad that he said that to the Prophet. Some say that that person was a hypocrite, a munafiq. But then here, look what Mullah Ali Qali says here, Hafsa. qauluhu this statement as well was because he was so overwhelmed with anger. He didn't even listen to the advice of the Prophet. And he said those words that he probably regretted it later. How could I have said that in response to the Prophet wasallam? So Mullah Ali Qari explains this so beautifully. He said that anger was what made him say that even. And there's an interesting story Mullah Ali Qari brings here. He said the example of this is that سأل شيخ كبير طبيباً عن ضعف البصر. Here's a funny story. سأل شيخ كبير طبيباً عن ضعف البصر. فقال الطبيب من من أثر الكبر. لأنك شيخ. وهذا يعني إذا إذا صار الرجل كبيراً في السن يضعف البصر. فهمت? So when you get old, he said a, a person came to a a a, 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 a Doctor and said, You know, my eyes are getting weak. He said, You know, it's because of old age. Your eyes are getting weak is because of old age. And then he started asking, You know, when my ears can't hear, what's that? He said, Yeah, that's also because of old age. He said, My back is hurting. He said, Yeah, that's also because of old age. So the sheikh got angry and he's like, What is this? What is this? I keep telling you it's my ear and then, you know, my back and my eyes and you keep saying, yeah, it's old age, it's old age. You're crazy. You're not a doctor. He said, this is also from old age. (laughs) This is also because of old age. Right? In other words, you're losing your temper at me. What am I supposed to do? I'm telling you the exact reason. In other words, that thing that that person said to the Prophet what, do you, what does he think, I'm crazy or something? He's telling me, say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanul Jeeem A'udhu Billahi Minash shaitan jim is for crazy people I ain't no crazy person why, why would a person say that at the advice of the Prophet? Because that's also from anger A very interesting thing Fudayl ibn Iyad says Thalathatun la yulamuna ala ghadab Now everyone is going to listen to this one Three people, they're not to be blamed for anger Now Jalal woke up He suddenly woke up from his sleep. Three people are not to be blamed for their anger. Number one, somebody who is fasting. Somebody who's fasting. If a person, you know what, loses their temper, they get a little bit edgy, and they're counting their sambosas at uh, iftadi time, leave leave them. them. Let them count the sambosas. Right. Don't take his sambosa at that time. Okay? So a person's fasting, you know, people have short fuse at fasting time. Number two, marid, a sick person. A person's going through intense fever, a person's going through therapy, a person's going through sickness, they just had a surgery, they're in pain, and now they got to hear kids screaming at the top of their lungs. Then you have to have concern that this person is what? they are in a condition that it's difficult for them to be able to control that anger. Because now what happens is, what is anger? It's, it's a force. You need strength to guard it. You need, you, need a, you need stamina. You need strength to hold that. Now a person who's fasting, he doesn't have strength. A person who's sick, he doesn't have that strength to withhold himself right? You got, you're depleted on energy. You know what I mean? It requires energy to be patient. It requires energy to, to guard your anger. And a person who's in the fasting, you know, they're running low, you know, they're running on fumes. And number three, a person who is on a journey. A person who's on a journey. So have patience with people in this situation. Everybody, you know, sometimes when you're at the airport, people are on edge. Sometimes in airports, people kind of get, you know, on edge. Or people are, you know, in in, in Hajj or Umrah, you know, you see people kind of like, you know, going on the bus and fighting. And, you know, there's, you know, people losing their temper on the, you know, on on the stewardess or losing their temper at the ticket line or something like that is because, you know, people are on edge, you know. I remember when I, I never forget when I'm, you know, traveling with the kids, you know, one time, and you got like five, six passports in your pocket, and you're checking, you know, you got to keep your mind on the passports, and you got to keep your mind on the kids, and then you got to keep your mind on the luggage, and then you got to like, and now, you, you know, then you got another guy, another person like screaming in your, in your ear, and nagging, or somebody else is like doing something annoying. You know, it can, it can really test your, your patience. So these three people, Fudayl ibn Ayad said, that... He's not saying, don't control your anger. He's saying that these people should not be blamed. They are not to be blamed. If a person loses it a little bit in this situation, they are not to be blamed because they're vulnerable. They're in a vulnerable situation. And respect that. So it teaches us that we should respect people that are in that situation. A sick person, don't be making noise around a sick person. You know, don't be yelling and talking loudly around a sick person or at a hospital yelling and screaming. Even the Prophet والسلام, when he was in his, he was in his deathbed, والسلام, some of the Sahaba's voice in the room, it, it got a little bit loud. What did he say? Get out of my room. Get out of here. Get away from me. You're screaming and you're, you're, you're talking loudly. The Prophet والسلام, is sick. The Prophet والسلام, I mean, this is the person with the most excellent character. And they're talking with their voices loudly. They weren't do, saying any disrespectful. Their voices got loud. He said, leave this room. It shows that a person, he could be the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when it comes in a person is vulnerable, you're a human being, you don't want to hear this stuff. And it teaches us that we should be, we should be conscious of people that are in this situation. If they're fasting, parents... Or for example, wife, you know, husband comes from work, long day after fasting in Ramadan, right? T- you know, take the kids to play, take the kids to, you know, somewhere else, take them to another room. Don't like now they come and they start playing tabla on their dad's head. You know, like what are you doing? Like he's fasting, and then he gets angry. Oh, everybody's fasting. Why are you getting angry? You're ruining your fast. Oh, you want me to take like. Just put a bullet through me. That, I mean, that's make it easy. Don't torture me. So, this type of thing, the situation of people that are in these ahwal, right? لا يُلَام على That what, he is not to be blamed of something that he might say, that he becomes angry, whether he's in traveling or he's fasting, or if that person is sick, right, don't blame that individual. But at the same time, that doesn't give you the, the, the allowance to now have, you know, do, do and say whatever you want to say. A very interesting incident about patience is narrated by Abdul Razak in his Musannaf that there was a khadima, a jariya of Ali Zain al-'Abidin, Ali ibn Hussein Zain al-'Abidin. She was coming with water to prepare for his salah, and she dropped the. You know they had those those metal uh, uh, those metal pots that have the. You know it's called ibriq. What are they called? They're those jugs with the with the. They have them back home. Like they have a a very sharp edge in their metal. They're big and therefore wudu and washing hands, you know? It's metal and then it's a big jug and it's metal and it's pretty big and they bring it for wudu and it's, they have it in little antique style. So she came with the, it's called ibriq. So she came with the ibriq to give him wudu and it slipped and it hit, it fell on his head, you can imagine. He's sitting down and she's bringing it from the top and it slipped from her hand and it hit and it cut his head. Who is this? This is the great-grandson of the Prophet Wasallam. Sayyidina Ali Zainul Abideen So the son of Hussein, Yani the great-grandson of the Prophet So he was about to say something So the girl said Wal-kathimina al-ghayth She's reading the ayah of the Quran And Allah loves those who control their anger He was, he was about to say something And she said Wal-kathimina al-ghayth And then he said "Kadamtu ghayzi Okay, I swallowed my anger. And then he was still angry, so then she says, nas," And those who forgive others." He says, "Affallahu anki. May Allah forgive you." And she saw that he was still a little bit angry. muhsinin, And Allah loves the good doers." So then she says, "I've set you free for the sake of Allah." She's a slave girl, so he said, "I set you free for the sake of Allah,. This is how the people of Allah used to interact with the Book of Allah. That the ayah was said, and they would immediately implement it. Subhanallah. Sahal ibn Abdullah Tustari, rahimahullah, he says, A person will not reach the highest level of iman until he becomes like the earth for the people of Allah. What is that? That people walk on the earth and the earth doesn't say anything. And the earth also gives people all the benefits. It gives them fruits and it gives them vegetables and it gives them water. Everything comes from the earth. So he says, (laughs) لَا يَبْلُغُ الْعَبْدِ حَقِيقَةَ الْإِيمَانِ حَتَّى يَكُونُ لِعِبَادِهِ كَالْأَرْضِ أَذَاهُمْ عَلَيْهَا وَمَنَافِعُهُمْ لَدَيْهَا he says, he carries their burdens and he gives them his benefits. The earth, what does the earth do? The earth carries us and gives us. And this is the true slaves of Allah, the true mu'minin, the true muttaqin. We carry others and we give to others. And this is the reality of guarding ourselves from anger and becoming true servants of Allah. May Allah give us a tawfiq to implement what has been said.